One, two, three, four. My gal's a firecracker, sweet like a clementine. Takes a while to unpack her, but boy, I'm glad she's mine. My gal can't help but thrill me, she's a special kind of fun. But Lord, I think she'll kill me before this song is... Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, or midnight. You're listening to this at midnight, aren't you? You <laughs> sick puppies! You've got this podcast open in one tab and Pornhub open in another, don't that, you? That, that's don't enough. You? That's enough. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Beehive. We're two queen bees. That's me, Beth Levine. And me, Beatrice Davies, take you on a journey of discovery through the world. What, whatever so, we feel yeah. like talking about yeah. on a given day. <laughs> um, and what do we feel like talking about today, Beth? Well, today, Beatrice, I'm thinking planes, trains, and automobiles. What's that from anyway? I'm always hearing that. Planes, trains, automobiles. It's a movie. Steve Martin and John Candy. Oh, yeah. I feel like I've seen part of that. Uh, but to be clear, we're not talking about the 80s movie today, right? No, I mean literally means of transportation. What's your favorite? Well, I mean, you know, just for, you know, getting around everywhere, I personally prefer the Metro. Um, there's just something nice about having your smart trip in your hand, just flicking around the turnstile and going to wherever you need to be. Like, why tie yourself to a car? Ugh, it's just so slow. Even in Manhattan, the train can take a while, and here, sometimes it's faster just to walk. Oh, well, yeah, but what about when you're traveling? Oh, like, yeah, so you're going to Chicago. Well, how do you want to get there? Airplane, definitely. Really? It's such a pain in the ass, and it's so expensive. Yeah, but it's the fastest way to get there. And, you know, also how, like, when you're at the airport, all those little, like, regional kiosks are there. So, like, whenever I have to go to Madison, I always end up getting cheese curds from, like, this one little tiny shop there. It's always so tasty. I do like those, but, I don't know, airports just never have comfortable seating, and they never have enough outlets. And the expense gets me. I've ridden Greyhound all over the country, and it's not exactly luxurious, but you can't beat those ticket prices. Ugh. Buses are so gross. The last time I took the Greyhound to Chicago, I was in the stickiest seat imaginable, uh, and the guy just kept on leering at me, like, the whole time. Oh, uh, God, just never again. So I take it you don't like riding the old gray dog? Ooh. You know how to driver say that? He had a whole little routine, like a stand-up comic. He'd go, thanks for riding the old gray dog. He was better than the guy who just yelled at everybody through his megaphone. Hmm. Well, you know, if I wasn't going to fly, I would definitely take a train. Have you ridden a train recently? Not in a while. Yeah, it's not exactly something out of a Cole Porter song these days. Well, you know, but that's what I want, though. When I take the train, I want to be able to have the whole experience. The sleeper cars, the bellhops, the surf and turf dinner. It's just so nice that way. <laughs> well, if you, get, if you get that, it's more expensive than flying, and it takes four days. Well, then what do you do? Do you road trip? Hell yeah! Audiobooks, sack of granola, 20-ounce Red Bull, I'm good to go. Plus, I can stop at all those weird roadside attractions. Oh, we do need to do an episode on roadside attractions. Like, the place where gravity works backwards? Yeah! Put a pin in that. Well, I think it is time to bring our guests on. Speaking of travel, did you have a good tr- a trip down here, Sean? Yes, actually, I did. Thanks. Traffic was terrible on 95, but I downloaded... All of Welcome to Night Vale, so I had a pretty good time. Fun, fun. All right, listeners, Sean is, well, Sean, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, okay. Hi, I'm Sean Powers. I'm a software engineer, and I live in Hoboken. Oh, and I have a corgi. Aww. So, Sean, what are you doing here? Well, you invited me. 
Right, because we got an email from you recently with something special that we're here to talk about today. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, um, I had heard the first episode. I'm a big podcast listener, and a friend of my roommates kind of knows Tyler from college. That would be Tyler Moon, our producer. Hey, I heard those quote marks. Sean, hey man, good to have you on. Stop hosting, Moon. Stop hosting, man. Hey man, so anyway... I heard the first episode, and I'm like, wait, Hudson Bergen, aeronautics? That's crazy. That's That was a real factor. And tell us, or tell our listeners how you know this. My grandmother worked there. What? what? Yeah, I, I know, right? So, we were hoping to speak with Sean's grandmother. But sadly, she passed away uh, six, no, seven, seven years back. Oh gosh, Sean, I'm so sorry. It's okay, but, you know, I'm lucky that she told me a lot of stories about being, you know, a Rosie the Riveter. She had some good ones. Can you tell us some? Uh, sure. So, did you know that Marilyn Monroe worked at an airplane factory before she was famous? Oh, yes. Well, supposedly, an army photographer shot some pictures of her, and that's how she was discovered. But that was after my grandmother stopped working at Hudson Bergen. She was there, like... 1942-1943, worked as a welder, and photographers were always coming around taking pictures from magazines and newspapers and posters. It was like a big morale thing, you know? And a lot of girls were hoping to get discovered, I think. They thought maybe the pictures would end up in the right place and they'd get a call from Hollywood the next day. Did any of them get discovered? Not from Hudson Bergen that I know of, but my grandmother did get one offer. Some photographer wanted to take her take a picture for a soap ad, but she said the money was hard to turn down, but it would have been degrading. She got a look at the ad copy, and it was, like, super racist. Damn. Good for her. There was another time, some big general, or I guess, what are they called in the Air Force? Generals, I think, correct, yeah. Well, they didn't have the Air Force in World War II. It was the Army Air Corps, so definitely some kind of general. I am the very model of a modern major general. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god, Beatrice! He's a... He's a... What? Nerd! Moon, he's one of yours! He's one of your kind! Welcome to the fold, my friend. Man can't appreciate some Gilbert and Sullivan? You can appreciate it all you want, Sean. But you're a nerd, though. Nerds do it better. Hush, Moon, our new favorite nerd is telling a story. So, a general came to the factory? Yes, and he wanted to, like, personally inspect all the planes. Now, this guy was obviously really good at, like, military stuff, but he wasn't any kind of machinery expert, so he just kind of, he was just kind of looking around at the planes, rubbing his chin, like, hmm, yes, very good, very shiny. <laughs> and my Nana and the other welders were just, like, laughing their butts off as soon as he would get out of earshot. <laughs> nice. Yeah, my Nana really loved working at the factory. I mean, it was hard work, and it sucked a lot of the time, but she really believed in what she was doing, and I know she really missed being a welder. After the war ended, it was like, no women, no jobs for you, jobs are for men. That's a shame. Yeah, I mean, she had such great stories, and I know I'm not doing them justice. Like, I don't remember all of the details as well as she told them. I was always trying to get her to write her memoirs out, and she never got around to it. Do you have any documents, like letters or things of that nature? No, she was single. 
And when she worked at the factory, her brother got injured and sent home really early in the war. So she didn't have anybody to write to. Really, and it didn't, and she didn't keep a diary and or anything like that. So I'm always thinking I need to write down what I remember. Well, we're really glad you're coming on and sharing this stuff with us. Yeah, I actually read Chrissy the Factory Girl, and it brought back a lot of the stories Nana told me. Maybe I will. I like, I don't know, kind of like write a third-person memoir. Well, that is what Margo McGinty did. Yeah, yeah, that Arthur. I, I, I should look her up for writing advice. Except maybe don't put a weird acid trip in the middle of your book. Yeah, so you don't have any idea who she is in real life. Nope. Unfortunately not. Oh, my goodness. Oh, fuck. I think it's a good time for a coffee break. Hey, Beatrice. Yes, Beth. Should we let Tyler out of his cage for the coffee break? Oh, sure, why not? Wunderbar, two boys, two ladies. Alright, fellas, since apparently you both are giant nerds, today's coffee break discussion should be an easy one for you. Oh yeah, real softball. What is it? Okay. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Oh my god, I have told you this so many times before. It's not about you, Moon. Let our guest go first. Okay, well, I guess it would be the power to stop time. Would you do anything nefarious with this power, Sean? I guess I could rob a bank or something, but I wouldn't really want to do anything like that. I, I just want to be able to stop time whenever someone said something obnoxious to me, so I can think of a really good comeback. Or I have to make a decision really quickly, just give myself extra time to think. That's a good one. I never thought of that. What would yours be? Teleportation. So many problems in my life would be non-existent if I could teleport. Such as? I mean, commuting wouldn't be a thing. I could take an awesome job anywhere in the country, anywhere on Earth, and live in like a big-ass three-bedroom house in the middle of nowhere, pay $1,000 a month for it, and then I could go to museums and bars and stuff in a different big city every night. And none of my relationships would be defined by geographical limitations. Oh, yeah. Listeners, for those of you who don't know, Beth is a survivor of several long-distance relationships. Yeah, yeah. So, Beatrice, what's your superpower? I think I'd want to fly, honestly. We'd be great for getting around, but also would just be super fun. Oh, yeah, it would. <clears throat> okay, Moon, go ahead. Okay, so first of all, I would pick invisibility. Perv. Not for creeping, because think about it. Any other superpower, if somebody catches you doing it, they're going to want to turn you into some government scientist for testing. So either you end up being a CIA lab rat, or you have to be on the run for the rest of your life. That's not fun. So I'd be invisible, because nobody could see me being invisible. Tyler, that is surprisingly well thought out. So that's number one. Now, if I could pick more than one power... You can't. But if I could, I would pick invincibility next. Because, duh, who wouldn't want to be impossible to hurt? Masochists? Well, I'm not a masochist. And yet, you keep hanging around, taking abuse... Verbal abuse. I have no desire to get my leg broken or my spleen punctured. Thank you very much. Now. Third power I would pick. Oh my god, greedy! Third power I would pick would be teleporting. That's mine, I said teleporting already. Oh, are you the empress of teleportation? Do you have a patent? Do you have a monopoly in the Ch teleportation? Children, industry? children, I think we've had enough coffee. Shall we move on, please? Let's. Thank you.
Uh, Sean, did you get a chance to read Chrissy's Soldier? Yes, I did. What did you make of it? It was definitely weird. I don't I don't read a lot of fiction, so when it got really uh, artistic, it kind of threw me off. <laughs> artistic. That's that's a word for it. I do like reading about history, and I had and I'd read a couple of books on World War II last year, so it was interesting to compare the facts that I'd learned from that and what happened with the story. How accurate would you say Chrissy's stories are? Well, I guess that depends on how you look at it. I mean, there aren't any glaring errors. Nothing that a fact checker would go, uh, actually, that happened in 1943, not 1942, or actually that kind of airplane wasn't in use until the Vietnam conflict. I'm sensing a but. Yeah. Well, you guys kind of brought up in the last episode, there aren't any outright mistakes, but the whole tone is off. Unless this actually were the 1940s and we were looking at some war swell propaganda, it completely glosses over the bad stuff. Until the middle of Chrissy's soldier, of course. Right, when Danny gets home. Now, is it just me or does he very clearly have PTSD? Well, they would have called it shell shock. Which isn't even a term Margo McGinty uses in Chrissy's soldier. Right, she never comes out and says he's shell-shocked or has PTSD, but the way he acts... It does seem like he's having a flashback. Do you think we're supposed to feel like he deserves to get, you know, murdered? God, I hope not. Me too. I just don't know how to feel about it. More to the point, I don't know how Margot McGinty wants us to feel about it. What does it matter how she wants us to feel? Because... Because the author's intent tells us why the book exists. Why it's written the way it is. And frankly, I'm just curious. Me too. It almost seems as if it's like a revenge fantasy. But then she feels guilty for writing it, and she tries to undo it by having Danny live in the subsequent books. But then why kill him in the first place? Why not go back and edit that part out? Maybe she's not very tech-savvy. I Maybe she didn't know how to delete or change the book after she published it. But remember, these were all published on the same day. It's not like she published Chrissy's Soldier and then wrote Chrissy the Bride. Maybe she doesn't understand the concept of a second draft. (laughs) No, really. Maybe she's some kind of, like, outsider artist savant and she doesn't realize that you can just change what you wrote. Wait, you're saying that the author is... Like, special? I don't think that's the term, Tyler. Okay. But if she's, like, fucked in the head, how'd she figure out how to publish a bunch of e-books? People are weird. Or someone else did it for her. Or maybe she isn't even who she is. Maybe the person who wrote everything down was just literally transcribing whatever Chrissy told them, and maybe that's how Chrissy told the story. Alzheimer's a bitch. And we still don't even know for sure that Chrissy was a real person. I mean, Sean, are you sure your grandmother never mentioned anybody who could have been her? Maybe. She mentioned other girls at the factory, like this one lady, Nora. My nana was always telling stories about her. Nora was crazy. How so? She was kind of like, I love Lucy... Always some kind of wacky scheme to get a date with a cute soldier or get noticed by a Hollywood casting scout? Actually, yeah, that sounds a lot like Tabby, doesn't it? I thought so. Listeners, Tabby, if you will recall, is Chrissy's best friend in the books. In Chrissy the Factory Girl, Tabby sneaks into the factory after hours with a photographer and gets him to take a picture of her sitting on top of a fighter plane pinup style. Hot. I think Nora talked about doing something like that, but my nana said she never actually pulled it off. So, did Nora have a best friend who worked at the factory? Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I wonder if she's still alive. 
No idea. I don't have a last name or anything. Ugh, you know what? What? If this were a movie, we would go to a library and sit down with a microfiche machine and scroll through spooky newspaper stories for a few hours, and then, just as the library is about to close, we'd come across a big picture of a bunch of factory girls standing in front of an airplane they made, and the caption would be like, Employees of the Hudson Bergen Aeronautics Factory. From left, Nora Johnson, Chrissy McGinty. <laughs> yeah, and we'd find a big front page headline. Returning soldier found murdered in fiancé's rooming house apartment. Chrissy McGinty, 21. If only. Too bad those newspaper display things don't exist in real life. Um, actually they do. Yeah, Tyler, uh, microfiche is real. I mean, it's not commonly in use anymore, I don't think. You know, I teach a, I teach a night class once a week at Rutgers. Oh, yeah, and I think the University Library has a newspaper archive going pretty far back. I could take a look. That would be amazing. I'll do it when I get back. Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much, Sean. Okay, listeners, I think we definitely owe Sean dinner now. Sean, what would you say to dinner at an authentic Maryland Crab Shack? Mmm, delicious, delicious abominations unto the Lord. That sounds great. You ladies are buying, right? Ugh, I guess, man. I'm in. Well then, okay. Let's wrap up with our thoughts of the day. Sean, would you care to start? Oh, sure. Okay. My thought of the day is, it's always nice to feel welcome. And you have made me feel very welcome. Thank you. You're so welcome. My thought is... Did we ask you, Moon? My thought of the day is, I did not know microfish were real. Now I know. And I'm going to go find some old murder headlines. Good for you. Beth? My thought of the day is, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Tell a man about microfish and he'll give a librarian something to laugh about. <laughs> and I guess what mine would have to be, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. That's from the Bible, Hebrews. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's really nice. You have the Torah app on your phone? So funny about oh. microfish. <laughs> okay. Okay.